Hello, everyone, and welcome to Golden Walkman Magazine. My name is David Walker, bringing you the very first issue of 2020, January 2020, and I am bringing you a fiction piece from Kelly Lynn Thomas titled She Ain't Gonna Cheat on Him. This story, I really don't want to say too much about, not because I don't absolutely love it, but it's just it's just that there's something in it that if I told you would kind of uh, kind of ruin it. So uh, it's all I will say about this story is that it's it's a wonderful take on a Western. Um, I, I read it and and I immediately jumped on it and I was like, this is this I have to publish this. So I really hope you enjoy this piece. Uh, it's it's just a ride. It's a it's a ride that I I hope you enjoy. So. Here we go. We have our very first issue. What a way to start off uh, a fiction piece by Kelly Lynn Thomas titled She Ain't Gonna Cheat on Him. Here you go. Hello, my name is Kelly Lynn Thomas and I'll be reading my short story She Ain't Gonna Cheat on Him. After the business with my obsessive ex-lover James yesterday, I get tired of watching Robbie play poker real quick. I'm restless and uneasy and I need to do something with my hands. I throw $2 at the splintered table center and tap the wood in front of me. It's a slow Saturday evening at the horse trader saloon, still too early for the barman to light the gas lamps, but late enough that the sun casts long shadows through the small, dusty windows. The deepening gloom reminds me of the way James looked at me when I begged him to leave me be. But I love you, he kept repeating. I love you, I love you, as if repetition would make me feel the same way about him. Oh, Ramona, come on, this is a game between men, Robbie says, and I'm about to win the whole damn pot. But we can dance after this hand if you want. He winks and puts a hand on my knee. Jasper nickers, and Bill leans back in his chair and tips his hat further down his forehead. That's not the kind of dancing I'm looking to do. Now deal me in. Old man Jones, perhaps sensing the tension building at our table, stops yawing with the bartender and gets back to playing something quick and spirited on the piano. Supposedly a rich man hauled it all the way from New York City 50 years ago when this place was nothing but a trading outpost for Indians and cattle drivers because his wife had to have her civilized comforts. They both died of a fever 25 years ago, so the piano wound up here. Or, that's the story. It plays good, anyway. Oh, all right. Robbie tosses fresh cards at each of the men in quick succession, but I sense the slightest hesitation before he whips one toward me. He's probably thinking about the way I cleaned him out last month. And, well, he should. I might be a woman, and I might not have skin as pale as bleach linen like most of the women around here, but I know how to bluff, and I know when to fold and when to press forward. People used to have some pretty harsh words for my mama and me when we first came out here, but once I showed them I could hold my own on a cattle drive, and at cards, all that talk stopped pretty quick. Some of the more ignorant ones still grumble about us now and then, but we just smile at them. Kill him with kindness, Ramona, Mama always whispers. We got to kill him with kindness. My first hand is about as bad as they come, but I gather from the pinched looks on the men's faces theirs aren't much better. I tap the table again, and Robbie deals me a new card. 
That's better, I say, even though I still got next to nothing, just the pair of jacks I started with. I hitch my skirt up over my knee, rest my foot against a table leg, and lean in, grinning wickedly. Robbie leans back and groans before he knows what he's doing. Bill chuckles from beneath his hat. Jasper takes a swig of frothy beer. He's the hardest to read. I've never seen his expression change much. Even when he wins big or gets too drunk to stand up straight, his features look like hard red stone. I tap the table again, and this time I get lucky. A third jack. Not a lot, but enough, judging by the look of disgust on Robbie's face. We met at the Tuesday line dancing night the Bitter Cow Saloon had going for a while until the guitar player got shot for stealing horses. One week Robbie rode into town and all the girls swooned over his dark hair and darker eyes. But as soon as he saw me dance, he says, those eyes could see only me. Ramona, he whispers at night after we put out the lamps and move in close to each other. I'm going to figure out how to rope the moon for you. Why would you want to do a thing like that? I always ask in reply. Just to show you how much I love you, he says before he kisses me. Mama says I shouldn't waste my time, he won't stick around forever, that he's a drifter at heart. But even if that's true, I'm glad I get him all to myself for a little while, even if he does need a reminder not to treat me like a filly every now and then. I can't even fault him for that, because most of the women around here don't know much beyond keeping house and having babies. A couple steps out onto the dance floor. I watch them swirl around each other out of the corner of my eyes. I can't help but tap my foot to the music. The bartender beats a rhythm on the bar with an empty whiskey jug. Casey Martin must have walked in while I had my head in the cards, because I hear strands of guitar music join the piano, intermittent at first, then steady. He's the only one around here good enough to keep up with Old Man Jones' piano playing since Lewis got killed. Robbie's frowning out right now. My feet seem to move of their own accord, and I'm laughing for no real reason other than I'm happy to be here with the man I love, even if he's a sore loser. But then the door opens with a bang, and the music stops. Somebody yells, I can't focus the way I want to. A warm, sticky wetness spreads down my chest, my stomach. The air smells like iron. Taste of lightning on my tongue. The pain comes from everywhere, from nowhere. It snakes up and down and through me. A noise, a thump, something soft hitting the floor. Light, too much light from all around. I see the horse trader saloon's tin ceiling, stamped in a pattern. Plants that don't grow in the desert. Vining ones that grow thick and tall, nothing scrubby, nothing spiky. Their leaves taper to points, but the points look soft like sheepskin. The stems are delicate. I could break them between my fingers. But the plants aren't the color of plants. They are blue and yellow and they repeat, squares of these plants echoing out of my vision. The pain lessens. Maybe I can stand. Arms and legs refuse to move. I feel like I am trying to lift a horse. The plants drift away. More noises, a commotion. Ramona, my name. Is someone saying my name or am I hearing my own thoughts come to me from outside my body? Too cold to tell. Coldest I've been in my whole life. It's never this cold in the desert. But my left shoulder, that's warm. I think the warmth is leaving, like a sunset, setting the air to shimmer against the sand. Since I'm hearing my thoughts from outside my body, I'll send my mind to the sunset that is my shoulder, where it will be warm, warm, warm. Nothing here. No heat. No chill. I can't feel my body. No heartbeat. Darkness. 
I heard a loud noise, then the pain, then he shot me, James, because he saw me with Robbie after I begged him to leave me alone, and he promised. The darkness seems, I see colors, my body, all red, all red from me. I was hearing thoughts from outside myself. I left, I went to the warm place, but I don't feel anything now. I think I can move, but my body's still on the floor. But if I still have thought, if I can move, I sense it now, I'm different. Then I see James staring at the mess he's made of me, streams of tears wetting his face. He drops the gun and he turns and runs away and everyone else who's standing in the bar, they just let him, even Robbie. Robbie, he's standing above me, my body looking down at it. He's wearing a sad expression, but he isn't crying. There's something about his sadness that doesn't sit right, like a saddle put backwards on a horse. I wonder if he's frozen because I'm dead, a growing pool of blood around me, thickening in my black curls. You gonna do something about the son of a bitch just shot your woman, Robbie? Jasper asks. He's staring at me too. Robbie kicks at the floor and looks up for my body. Shit, Jasper, that bastard's madder than shit. I don't even know what. You know he tracked her all across the desert? Anger pulses from my deepest places to my outermost edges. Why isn't he already chasing James down? Why isn't James already dead? His own pool of blood thickening in the dust. I wonder again if Robbie can't move on account of what he just witnessed. I wonder if I'm not in the same state. I stretch out with my essence to test myself. I don't see a physical body, but I can feel the edges of myself, still human-shaped, still me, but changed. Jasper laughs, then turns to hurl a wad of chewing tobacco into a spittoon in the corner. The man still shot your woman. You don't want everyone thinking they can get away with taking from you like that, do you? Especially a pretty thing like that, Bill adds. The rest of the bar patrons clink their glasses to show their agreement. They've seen some violence today, and they'd like to see more. All the energy they built up on the thrills of dancing and gambling has to go somewhere. But no one's shown any sign of being able to see this new me. I feel powerless, forgotten, like that bullet transformed me from a person to a thing. Or like maybe I was never a person to begin with. Like all those names, those people called me all those years were true names. Even though deep down I know that's crazy thinking. Robbie's starting to look mad with Jasper prodding him. Anyone know where that son of a bitch was staying? The bartender leans on the bar and grins. He says real slow, Only two places to stay in this town, and you saw he ran out of here. Robbie takes off without glancing at my body. A bunch of people leave their beers at the bar and run after him. I make to follow, glad he's taking action, but I can't leave. It feels like an invisible string holds me to my body, and it hurts to walk away, like it'll rip my heart out all over again, only not quite, because I don't have a heart anymore. My chest still feels raw from where the bullet tore through my flesh, even though I don't have flesh anymore either. Ghost pains, they called them, when they amputated soldiers' limbs and the soldiers still felt the limbs and the pain of cannon shot tearing through, long after the war was over and done and Grant was elected president. That's what I feel now, but I have to follow Robbie because I'm as mad as a rattler that just got stepped on, and I want to know what he's going to do to James. So I pull. 
I pull at that invisible string holding me to my body and it hurts. It hurts worse than dying. It feels like there's a fire burning up what's left of me, but I keep pulling because I'll be damned if I'm going to sit around a corpse moping all day. I figure I'm already dead, so what's the worst that could happen? I keep pulling. I feel the invisible string loosen. I give it one final tug and the fire flares up bright and painful and then dies away, and I'm free and raw and new. I run to catch up, but I don't have to run. I don't have legs anymore. I can float. So I float as fast as I can, which I discover is awfully fast. I catch up to Robbie and Jasper outside the Bitter Cow Saloon on the other end of town. They're standing on the porch looking down the road that leads out of town to south, to the south. There aren't any horses tied up outside and the crowd is already wandering off. So I take it to mean James got away. Even the rest of the poker gang is heading back in the direction of the horse trader. I'm wondering why the two of them aren't chasing James down when Jasper walks off the porch and straight through me. I feel a jolt, like happened once when I was fooling around with the electric lights in a fancy hotel we were staying in. Jasper starts shaking all over and muttering to himself about some money he stole, maybe from a business partner. It's hard to make out what he's saying because he's shaking so much. I feel stuck again, but not like I did to my dead body. I dart away and he stops shaking and collapses. Did I do that? I wonder. I touch him again, just put my hand on his leg, and it jumps. He yells. Robbie is still on the porch looking down at Jasper like he's developed tuberculosis all of a sudden. I lift my hand from Jasper's leg. In that instant, I know that I have power. And I know that I'm going to let my killer go free. I won't chase after him or try to haunt him or even do to him what I just did to Jasper. He's a crazy, obsessive son of a bitch. I'm going to haunt him the rest of his life without having to leave this town. My memory will follow him every waking moment, through every dream. He's created his own punishment. I don't need to do anything. I see that. I accept that. But I wonder how Robbie can accept that, because he doesn't know any of this, and he doesn't seem to mind it. Jasper stops twitching and manages to stand up. Shit, he says, his voice quavering. Robbie looks at him, no hint of concern in his eyes now that Jasper's back to normal. You step on a cactus or something? Shit, is all Jasper can say. He sits down on the stairs. After a minute, he says, must have tripped. You gonna chase him down? Nah, ain't worth it. Other girls in town, and I reckon some of them will be feeling awfully sorry for me right about now. That bastard is long gone. Robbie spits and sits down next to Jasper on the steps. I listen, unwilling to believe what I'm hearing. Anger pulses through me again, hot and white. Shame, though, about the woman, Jasper says. She sure could play poker and dance. Robbie raises an eyebrow. Sure, she could hold her own. I've been with plenty of other girls who could dance just as good, if not better, if you know what I mean. Jasper snorts and laughs and hits Robbie on the back. I think back to the bar before I died, to all the times Robbie held me in his arms and we danced together and he told me he loved me and that he'd lasso the moon for me. I didn't believe him about the moon, but I believed that when he made love to me, he was thinking of me and my pleasure and not only his. I believed that he accepted me for who I was, not that he saw me as some fancy creature that would make his friends jealous. Understanding of what stood behind Robbie's sadness in the bar creeps over me like those vines on the tin ceiling. 
He was sad because he lost something useful, like a good tool, something pretty, something he liked. He wasn't sad because he loved me. I feel tricked and stupid. For a moment, I want to hurl myself onto Robbie to see what will happen, to see how long he can stand the twitching and shaking, but the moment passes. The urge to cry almost overpowers me, but I decide not to cry anymore, ever again, even though I have plenty reason to. I'm dead, and there was so much more life I had to live. The man I thought I loved didn't love me back, and a man I used to love went insane over me. After a minute or so, Robbie and Jasper decide to head back to their respective homes on the edge of town, be done with the whole thing, never mind my body lying back in the bar. I watch their backs grow smaller, their boots kicking up small clouds of dust in the dry earth. I stand up. I turn my back to them and the town and head for the horizon. Hi, this is Kelly Lynn Thomas again. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to my short story, She Ain't Gonna Cheat on Him. I had a lot of fun writing this story. I got the idea for it from a Warren Zevon song called A Bullet for Ramona. And this song appears on his very first album, Wanted Dead or Alive, which a lot of people have forgotten about. Um, it's not one of his more well-known ones, but there are some interesting songs on there, including A Bullet for Ramona, so you should check it out if you have the chance. And the song is told from the perspective of the obsessive ex-lover who rides into town, finds Ramona with a drifter, and decides that she has to die because you just can't stand that she's with another man. So he murders her and then he rides off into the sunset and writes a sad letter to his mother. And Ramona's just dead. She doesn't really do anything in the song. She just dies. And it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good song, but I wanted Ramona to have a say in her life and death. So I decided to write a story where instead of just dying, she becomes a ghost and she then has a choice. She can haunt her ex-lover who's killed her. She can haunt her crappy boyfriend who's not really sad that she's dead. Or she can do what she ultimately chooses to do, which is to walk away and not let these men have any power over her. So in this story, she goes off and lives her best ghost life after this terrible thing happens to her. And she gets her revenge by ignoring this man who was obsessed with her and this man who never really appreciated her. Thank you for listening. And you can find me on Twitter at, at Kelly Lynn Thomas or my website is kellylynnthomas.com. Thank you and be excellent to each other.